0: This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of practical shepherding, and I'm joined once again with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, brother. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. I have four sermons left to preach before I make my transition. So uh, exciting times, bittersweet, Yeah. but uh, but I'm doing well as I approach that. And as we approach all kinds of uh, other things going on this fall and dealing with um, all the COVID things and all the other things going on in life, and we want to be able to try to tackle some things that uh, will hopefully be helpful to you. Uh, before we do that, we're going to tackle a topic here in just a moment. We want to uh, just encourage you to go to practicalshepherding.com. There's other resources there for you to be able to, to access um, you can go to the donate page if you'd like to help support the ministry as we go into a, a budgeting year and exciting things and opportunities we have uh, for those who can help us financially. Also, if you haven't left a review on iTunes or whatever way you listen to this podcast, would you go and leave us a review? It's helpful to just get your feedback and for us to grow from that. Uh, Jim, we, we have a topic today that is affects every pastor, we should say, right? I mean, every I, I, I single pastor. I would imagine pastor. so at some point or other. Yeah, so, and is this... How the Fear of Man Affects Our Pastoral Ministry. Now, I know there's tons of ways or places we could go with this, but I want to ask you, Jim, will you just kind of set this up, because certainly the New Testament talks about this, or just the whole Bible does. Set it up for us, help us give us some categories as we maybe dive into how this affects pastors.
1: Yeah, and Brian, I do want to focus particularly on pastors today. Obviously, this is that's the point of right. uh, our, our podcast here, you know, the Bible says generally in the book of Proverbs that the fear of man brings a snare. I think everybody's familiar with that text, and there are some broader applications of that 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 have to do with Christian living and, and being a part of a church. But Brian, I'm thinking particularly as pastors, this subject is brought up several times clearly uh, in the scriptures. Obviously, the Lord Jesus told his disciples uh, in the Gospels not to fear those who had the ability to destroy the body, but rather fear him who could cast both body and soul into hell. And he was recognizing that I'm sending you out as, you know, as sheep among wolves. I'm going to send you out in places where your ministry is not going to be appreciated, where if you say certain things... It's going to be a price tag attached to that, and he just exhorted them. You need to ju- you need to be faithful. Mm-hmm. But Brian, one of the texts that sticks out most in my mind when I think of this subject are the words of the apostle Paul in Galatians chapter one and verse ten. And he asks this question. He says, "For am I now seeking the approval of men, or of mm-hmm. God?" Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a that's a that's a question to ask yourself. What is your motivation? Uh, in your ministry, and particularly in a newer ministry where you want people to like you, you want people to appreciate you, you 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 want people, you want your church to grow, you want people to say, you know, you handled that really well. I like what you said. I was convinced by what you said, and those aren't necessarily bad things. If God gives that to you, that's great. But He asks the question: Am I seeking the approval of men or of God? And then He puts this statement. Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not, in some translations say, I could not be a servant of Christ. Mm, yeah. So that there is an incompatibility between our being a servant of Christ and our striving after the smiles of men, the approval of men, or the pleasing of men. And what he means by that is is in regard to compromise. He, yeah. He's not talking about making certain accommodations because, you know, there, there is Christ-pleased his neighbor. You know, there's that, there's that aspect of it. But the question is, are we either motivated in our ministry, what we do, what we preach, what our topics are, what we'll handle, what we won't handle? Are we motivated by the thought, I will get approval if I deal with this? Or are we withholding or hindered in our faithfulness? If we say to ourselves, if I say that, this will be the consequence. If I, I, having studied a passage in the Word, and I see the application, but I am afraid to give that application, because if I give that application, uh, then so-and-so will probably leave the church, or they will conclude this about me, or they'll say this about me. So they'll, they'll say, whatever the case might be, you know, oh, they're going to think I'm, I'm a hyper-Calvinist if I say this, or oh, I'm an Arminian if I say this, I'm woke if I say this, I'm a racist if I say this, or whatever it is, and you're, you're so afraid of the implications or application of what you just said that you're, you, you either steer clear of it, or your, your preaching is going to lose its bite, or you're not ever going to have bold application that preaches to the consciences of the people Christ has given you to minister to.
0: Yeah, and that, that text that you gave is helpful because it, it does highlight, it's, it's not don't fear man in a vacuum. It's 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 deliberately in contrast to fearing God in the way that, that motivates us and helps us focus on ministry in a way that we will focus differently if we fear man. So I think that's one of the things that's most helpful about that that Galatians text is that it's it's an either or in, in the situations. It's not do this or don't do this. And so I, I think that's the important, one of the main ideas I want people to hear from us is that this isn't just about... Yeah, you can kind of harm your ministry if you let people, if you fear men and let other people dictate what you should and shouldn't do. But there's even a bigger piece to this, right? This is this is about how we are faithful servants to Christ, that we are submitting to Christ, and we are, care more about His approval than maybe the you know the approval of men.
1: Yeah, and Brian, if you're in, in smaller churches, and I think most of the people who listen to this are are probably in smaller churches, oh. and you know your people, you know they're proclivities you know their politics you and and you think to yourself boy if, if i uh <laughs> i can't say this and you know the apostle paul brings out another passage that i, I thought of in this re- regard brian is second corinthians chapter two and and paul is here it's in the greater context where he talks about who is sufficient for these things and that is that a faithful ministry the implications and applications of a faithful ministry will at times make you it'll stretch you to the point where you just think, I can't do this. And and it appears that what some people did in order to be able to thrive in ministry is they compromised. And they and Paul uses the language they peddled the word of God. And that's a that's a term taken from the wine market where people would water down the wine and sell it as something more potent, but it wasn't really. They mm. would pretend it was more potent than it was in order to get more bang for the buck. And, yep. and so he says, who is sufficient for these things? In verse 17, 2 Corinthians 2, for we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Yeah, and, and, and there's a... I think what Paul's getting at there is that there is a freedom that comes from not being the slaves of men. We are Christ's free man. That we are stewards with a message that's not our own, and that we're not responsible. Okay? I want to be careful how I say this because you, somebody could take this as you know be dismissive, be arrogant, right, and, and, and we, we don't not want think about people at all. It's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that when God's word needs to be preached and you need to say something that has an application uh, to people and whether, again, they're, the people tend to be maybe they're they're more liberal in regard to a certain uh, matter, which is going to be happening more and more as we pastor in this environment, right. uh, or it's going to cut across something that might be a a, a conservative shibboleth maybe, and you realize, I need to say something because God's Word is addressing this. And perhaps, again, you, you can couch it in that and to say, I recognize what I say may be misunderstood. I, that's I'm not trying to be offensive or arrogant in this, but brethren, I am called. My calling to you is to give to you God's Word honestly and sincerely, 16 ounces to the pound, And this is what God says about this issue. And if you're offended at that, then ultimately, like Samuel said, or the Lord said to Samuel, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. So
0: so I want to touch on something that you alluded to on the other side of this, though, because I totally agree with what you're saying. But there is the other side of this where people then use this idea of, I don't want anybody to dictate what I say. So we get dismissive of people's concerns right, right. that maybe. So we do want to highlight the other side of this, and and I want to acknowledge, especially as somebody who is helping a lot of pastors in church revitalization, where picking your battles is so crucial. Exactly, right. And I know you're not saying that. I just want to highlight this other side to this, because some of you are listening like, great, I'm going to go out guns blazing. That's what I (laughs) want to do. Okay, well, you still have to pastor these people. So you you need to be mindful of the difference. We have to be aware of what is true fear of man that would cause us to be disobedient to God because we're afraid of what people think. And what is the other side of... Uh, an unsettledness in our spirit that's like, there's a cost here if I do this or say this. I got to make sure this is what I'm supposed to do um, to do that. And I think we pastors have to be aware of what's going on, which is all the reason why we want to talk about this issue. We want to put the reality of fear of man and how it affects our ministries, how it hinders our judgment, so that we know: is this a caution that we need to consider, or is this us just afraid of what's coming? And but we still need to speak in truth. So let's talk about that. What are some of the what are some of the things that? How does fear of man show up in a pastor's? You kind of you mentioned a couple of things already, but let's talk about some of those things and that they can maybe identify how. Let's talk specifically how that would happen. Okay,
1: so I, I think so we're talking about pastorally and some of the messages are, are, are some of the texts that pointed to point point primarily to preaching. So I think for us, it's going to affect it probably along two lines. It's either going to be in the pulpit or it's going to be, uh, in the study or, and by, by that, I mean, I should say in the counseling room. So let's say in the, in the pulpit and in the counseling room. So again, so let's say you're, you're studying, uh, the word and, and you may have, uh, in your congregation, but. Uh, you have people that are in uh, marital distress or something like that. And, and you're going to be, uh, and, and you know where they're planning on going, what they're thinking about doing and ending their marriage or whatever. And yet you know, you're preaching one of these texts on God's purposes for marriage. And you realize, okay, this is going to, this is where I am in the normal course of preaching. We've come to this. And I'm going to open up and I'm going to apply this particular truth at this time in a way that's going to seem very confrontational or would be very confrontational. I think in that kind of a situation, you might want to have said something ahead of time to them. Listen, I'm going to be – this is coming up. Yep. And I want to let you know uh, that, yeah, obviously – I can't help but think of your situation, but this is not what's moving me and motivating yeah. me i'm not there'm not calling you out I'm not yeah. calling you out, but there are things I need to say uh in regard to the application of of god's word uh You may have to deal with um in our in our current climate right now we're, uh, we're so sensitive there's so many buzzwords going on right now, and we are afraid. We're afraid of the labels uh and we are being told by some people you need to speak out in behalf of you need to be saying this and what they're saying is not necessarily uh, that you need to preach this particular text they're saying you need to preach my political position or my cultural position and if you don't there's going to be a cost to that and so again, a man might be moved and motivated, not not again by the fear of God, not by the pressure of exegesis, not because it's what he is compelled by the Spirit to preach, but because certain people in the church are telling him, not that you have to preach the Word, but you have to address the culture, uh, which is fleeting and is going to be different and going to be changed in a few weeks maybe. Uh, but that you have to do this, and if you don't, then you're a coward, or you're unfaithful, yeah. or you're a racist, or you're uh, woke, or whatever it is. And preachers are feeling this, and some are getting called out. I mean, some are some are getting called out because I looked through all your tweets, and you've never tweeted about. Uh, you know, I looked at your social media, and you've never done a post about, and. Uh, th- and again, what what is that? It's a, it's a threat. It's either a veiled threat or a very open threat of you're not satisfying me, and you're going to have to decide: am I a, am I a puppet on a string with that, or am I Christ free man who is going to preach God's word in season and out of season, and not I I I am not the slave of a man or another man's opinions.
0: Yeah, I agree with those as far as the preaching. By the way. This is another reason, it doesn't solve it, but this is a, one of many reasons that I advocate to preach through books of the Bible, because when the next text is your sermon, like you said, you it's time to te- preach this text, I need to apply it this way, I need to go to this couple to let them know I'm not calling them out, but this is where I am in, mm-hmm. in the text. And likewise, to what you're talking about, the pressure to, for people to say, hey, you need to deal with this and you need to deal with this. You're able to say, look, I'm preaching the next passage, and I'm going to deal with what's there. And it allows us to deal with what's there instead of just choosing our soapboxes every week that we might preach on. Well, the thing
1: is we're not choosing our soapboxes. That's what I'm getting at. Sometimes we're choosing other people are setting up the soapbox. But people are and, asking and, and us and to deal with the, Or the, demanding their, I mean, their soapboxes. That's right, what I mean. Right,
0: yeah, right. So I want to also throw in into the mix. I think preaching and counseling are two big ones. But here's another place I think fear of man shows up I would say, for me personally, more so than even the two things you said, though I would affirm those, is decision making. Mm. Uh, I think every decision in the church that's made, you all of a sudden naturally start scrolling. What's this person going to think of this? Right. And what's this person going to think of this? And then what are they going to do about that? Right. Is it so? It's one thing for people to put pressure and say, "Hey, you should preach this." I mean, I get suggestions all the time. But what about when you're making a decision that? maybe there's going to be disagreement on, and how does that affect people? And you're making a decision that make that shows the direction of a church is going to go. Those are the things a lot of times, again, it's different for everybody, but for me, the risk of like people getting mad, the risk of people leaving the church maybe, mm-hmm. or not giving, or not serving anymore, right. or whatever it is, I have found revolve around making just decisions in the church. So there's a, there's a fear of man that I've experienced that I assume a lot of others do that revolve around decision making and th- those are it's I even think in some ways Jim and you can speak to this but I in some ways think it's easier to preach something hard yeah. because it's in the text. We're men of the word. We're, we're right. hopefully going to preach what's there, do it in a gracious way. When you're making a subjective decision about the church that may have a harder connection just with like a passage to say this is why we're making this decision, uh, and then people get upset about that. I find that the fear, men stirs a little bit more for me in that.
1: That's interesting. I, and I think, obviously, for, so we're recording this in October of 2020, if anybody listens to this, in the future. Right. They they will say, well, what are you talking about? So these are the pandemic days. These are the, the days where, of mask mandates by the government. And yeah, so we had to make decisions, Brian, right right, right about all how this, you know, are right. you gonna are you gonna open? How are you gonna open? Are you gonna open in phases? Are people gonna wear a mask at all? Mask, no mask. And and there are some, yeah, who are making decisions about what church they're going to go to, not based on theology, not based on years of care, not based on relationships, but based upon a cultural moment. Yep. And that's right. and yeah, those pastors are feeling that and and so it's easy. I mean, for some, you know, they're going to have some churches where everybody's in agreement and that's great. That that's that's easy, but I'm not pastoring a church like that. Yeah. Uh and I'm not either. and to try to uh, shepherd people on both sides of a thing where, where I don't think the scriptures are as clear as as some may try to indicate that they are. But where do the dictates of love come in? Where do the dictates of patience come in? Where do the dictates of uh, submission to authorities and all of that come in? You can't – and for me, I have a hard time being dismissive of all of that and to say that all of that needs to go into the mix. But you know if you make that decision that there are families that are are struggling, struggling on both sides every single week because –
0: you haven't done everything to please them. Well, that's what's tricky. But That's what I'm saying. That's what's so tricky about this time and making decisions is that if you have a decision that you're trying to make and you have family on one side and family on the right. other, well, it's in my mind, it's not just about upsetting somebody and you fear man and that he won't make it. This, this is what's made so many pastors so weary that you're alluding to is they've got families they love on both sides of this, and they're trying to make a decision that... Not just that honors the Lord, but how do you struggle with your fear of man when there's like a lose lose in this? There,
1: there is, and I, I, yeah, that's an that's really an interesting question because I almost think it gets more into the other element of there is a righteous element in Romans 15 of of, of pleasing men of, of of loving men and, and sacrificing. So really, the right. issue of asking, am I pleasing men in a in a wrong way? Or am I striving to please men in a loving, self-giving way? Is that both of those involve self-denial? So the reason the one guy fears man is is is, is self-preservation. The reason why you please a man in a different situation is self-denial. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're asking, am I am I preserving self or denying self? And so, like in regard to trying to shepherd a flock through with various. Differences, and I, I'm I really I'm going to actually deal with this subject very soon, and maybe even this Lord's Day. Is that my concern? Is that people even in worship? are far more concerned with what other people are thinking about them. I'm not wearing a mask. What are people thinking about me? I'm wearing a mask. What are those people thinking about me? Yeah. And they're not fixing their eyes on Jesus. Yeah. And when you're singing, you're thinking, I'm wearing a mask, or I'm – can I sing because I'm not wearing a mask? And you're not thinking about – no, we're supposed to be singing holy, holy, holy. Mm. We are supposed to get uh, allow our heart and our mind to be caught up with this and – and we need to be liberated from that. We need to we need to be able in a proper sense, in a right sense, and this isn't like, I don't care about you. This isn't what we're saying. We're not saying to people, I don't care about you. But what you're saying is, I need to have, I have a higher calling. I have a higher fidelity. And that fidelity is to Christ and to his word. And if that word offends, I still have to bring it. Now, again, you ask, you know, when do I bring that there's a time when scripture says I have other things to say to you but you're not able to bear them the writer to the Hebrew says you ought to be further along but you're not and so I have need to go over first things with you. And so that's a possibility too. That's a nuance. But my concern again brother is and and Brian, this is what we're really trying to encourage men is to have a sense, Lord, I am captive to your word. I'm going to give an account before you and I and and, and I'm going to give an account before you. For these people that you've given me, yeah. I believe what's best for them is that I not withhold. Paul said, "I, I am not I am free I am free from the blood of all men because I did not withhold from you what was profitable. I preached the whole counsel of God, and you can only do that when you're liberated from the fear of man."
0: So, last few minutes, let's talk about then how does a pastor deal with the fear of man? He's aware. We're talking about these things. He's like, "Yeah, yeah." Every day, I, I feel the pull of wanting to please people or wanting to do this. Let's hit some just a couple of practical places uh, as we uh, as we finish this off. How do we help pastors think about how to deal with fear of man and it controlling their ministry?
1: Well, the the antidote. I mean, the the. I mean, this is I think practical, but spiritual as well. It's ultimately it's the fear of God. I mean, that's the the fear of God is liberating. Fear of God is a fountain of life, it's the, beginning in, of in, the, in, in the beginning of wisdom. And the beginning of wisdom, the fear of man is a snare. It it, it binds you. Yeah recognizing again, I'm going to give an account before God. So 2 Timothy chapter 4 brings this out as well. He talks about the days are going to come when men will not endure sound doctrine. They're going to toss it off. Paul prefaces that with saying there's coming a day when, when the, the the judge of the living and the dead is going to come. And he says, in light of that, you preach the word. And, and it's just having that God word sense. Again, go back to 2 Corinthians 2. I preach in the sight of God in Christ. And also the other thing is a genuine don't don't fear these people, love these people. So it's it's fear fearing God, it's secondly loving the sheep and believing that what God has to say to them is ultimately the most loving thing that I can say to them. Mm. It may be a bit confrontational, it, it may upset them at first. But don't they really don't, if these are the Lord's people, they're going to want God's word, and they're ultimately going to thank you for it. And then the third thing I would say is having a love for unconverted people. Unconverted people don't need us to compromise the truth in order for them to accept the truth. Hmm. And, and so to give to them the exclusivity of Christ, the reality of our sin... What's going to happen if they pursue their own way It uh, is going to be, to most people, it's going to be very offensive at first, but that's an offense that's ultimately going to lead to life. So love to God, love to neighbor, ultimately, I guess, are my uh, exhortations to people to be liberated from the fear of
0: man. Yeah, and I would add to that, the I think every pastor just regularly needs to be asking himself this question, because it's about awareness. If you're not aware that you're fearing man in an unhelpful way, you're not going to deal with it. You don't know that that's part of your issue. So I think you have to ask self-reflective questions regularly. And I think just to ask the question in this moment, in this decision, in this sermon I'm preparing, in this counseling meeting I'm about to have, am, am I aware that I'm feeling fear? Am I fearing what these people think more than I'm fearing what God thinks about what I'm about mm-hmm. to do, and I think just asking that question brings an awareness of one: is there fear there? Mm-hmm. But then, if you can identify the fear, okay, is the fear that I'm worried that I'm not going to honor the Lord in what I'm about to do? Like that's a good fear, and that hopefully will motivate us, to, right? But if I'm at, you know, I'm I'm where I'm a lot more afraid about whether this person's going to get mad and leave the church, or whether I'm going to hurt, I'm going to make them mad, and they're just going to, it's going to harm our relationship. I think that it's very easy to fall into those those ruts and you have to ask a question and be aware of is there fear there ask that first and then where's the fear most directed and then i think you're going to find where your motivations are in making those decisions or preaching that sermon or whatever i also think asking that question uh, allows us to know uh is this something that i just need to be courageous and and push through and mm-hmm. do something hard that's costly or again as we mentioned before is this something that you know, I'm. I, I want to do, but um, it's maybe wise that I don't do this right now, and I don't need to do this right now. Asking the question on, am I being disobedient to the Lord, or am I actually being wise by by this? I, I think asking that that question can bring insight into all of those areas, and I think that's what a lot of pastors have to, on a daily basis, sift through. So, Jim, will you uh, will you take a minute and pray as we wrap this episode up for pastors who are trying to sort through how much fear of man dominates and just so they can be, so there's clarity in that and and pray that God helps them with, with facing it. Sure.
1: Our father in heaven, we, we feel it so many times our frailty and and the apostle himself said long ago, who is sufficient for these things. And so father, we do pray that you would aid and help uh, your servants listening to this who, who do desire uh, to be faithful and yet are are afraid. Uh, they're afraid of the the consequences of faithfulness. And and we do pray, Father, in a right sense, embolden them and help them. Father, help them to preach as in your presence, to live as in your presence, and to love the souls of those entrusted to them. Uh, Father, to recognize where they are, what they can say at this time. But again, Father, to love them, to, to love the souls of saints and to love the souls of sinners. And we believe that that that's going to happen. Heavenly Fathers, we give them your truth without compromise. So aid us unto that end, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.